Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from Luke 1, verse 57 through 80. And I'm reading from the New New Living Translation. The birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? they exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, John, You will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us in the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Hey, good morning, everybody. What a great passage we have today. Gospel of Luke, the last verses of chapter 1. Kind of one of the themes of 2022 for me has been being assigned passages uh, to lead and to teach here with us, a church family. Being assigned these passages uh, a few months before and then quickly turning to that passage to see what uh, I'll have the opportunity to teach. And then to be honest, kind of going, oh, that's what I get to teach? Oh, okay. Where, where am I going to find a message or a sermon out of this? Or, or where's something new in this? And, or I just don't understand. This is a difficult passage. And throughout this year, God has been so good and so faithful as I've studied the scriptures. 
just for me to get to the place where I'm like bursting with excitement of what I get to present and teach this morning. That's happened throughout this entire year as we went through Old Testament passages, we went through the Proverbs, we went through uh, a New Testament and now here uh, in Luke chapter 1. I've titled this Zachariah's Song as he's filled with the Holy Spirit to sing and to praise the Lord through three prophetic proclamations. But before we get there, I just really want to just pray over all of us because I know this is a season where A, maybe you're feeling a little sick or you've been sick, or B, you're feeling a little bit of anxiety and stress because you still have more presents to buy. You should have bought something on Amazon last week, but you kind of delayed. It's just a busy season. Maybe you have a couple more parties to attend to, or maybe you're getting ready to travel in the next few days. It's a busy season. I just want us to pray, be prayed over that God's joy, his hope, his peace, and his love would be over us. Because I don't want us to respond like my buddy Dan, who posted this on social media. <laughs> it's December, it's time to hyperventilate, right? Let's have this season be different for us. And so maybe just with your arms open, just to receive, would you just pray with me now? Father, we have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be thankful for. Your hope has come. Your peace has arrived. Your joy is here. Your love is present. But God, we acknowledge that this season is a busy one. This season can be one that just is filled with lots of good things, but we forget the God thing. And so God, even today, would you just use this worship service to remind us, to, to refresh our hearts and our souls. God, use this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we said, amen. amen. So we have Zachariah's song. We're talking about the birth before the birth. Look in your Bibles if you have them open or if you have your phones. I want you to see this for yourself in verse 57. Luke chapter 1, 57, towards the end of this chapter. It says, when the time had come, Brandon read, for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. So this is not the Messiah. That comes in the next chapter. We'll read about that next week. This is the baby before the baby. As you read earlier in Luke chapter 1, you understand that Gabriel had given this prophecy to Mary that her, her relative Elizabeth would be pregnant. You read earlier in Luke chapter 1, 2 that Elizabeth and Zechariah were old in age. Now, how old would they have been? Well, there was some tradition among rabbis that when you turned the age of 50, you would retire from your temple duties. And so Zechariah is still very much engaged in the temple worship. He's selected out of his group to go and, and present the offerings into the Holy of Holies places. So we know Zechariah, according to rabbinical tradition, was probably under the age of 50. But he and Elizabeth both described in Luke 1 as being older in, or advanced in age. So all of you over the age of 50 just feel really good right now about your lives. The Bible's calling you advanced. 
maybe elderly. So Elizabeth and Zechariah, they can't have a child. They're probably in their mid-40s, maybe late 40s. And this is a very difficult thing in that culture. It is a point of shame, actually. Elizabeth not being able to have a child, barren, the scriptures describe, would be something that culture would maybe whisper about. Oh, I wonder what Elizabeth did. I wonder if she actually had some sexual sin in her past that's not allowing her now in her marriage to give birth to a child. What has gone wrong or, or, or how is God judging her? Or how sad and, and, and lowly it is that she can't pass on, they can't pass on uh, their lineage, their legacy. Luke 1 says that Elizabeth actually came from a priestly line, as did Zechariah because he was a priest. So they both had this incredible legacy in their families, this lineage that went before them. And now they're not able to ad- advance that. Just even a little side note, if I could, uh, we've partnered over the last couple of years with Doug and Jesse Brown in Uniquely Knitted. Although we don't live in the first century and there's not necessarily the, I, I think the overt shame that, that Elizabeth would feel in her day. Still in 2022, there, there is some discouragement There is pain when it comes to couples who can't have kids. And I love what Uniquely Knitted does. It's uniquelyknitted.org, O-R-G, my little commercial. But they come alongside couples that are struggling in infertility and and bring them encouragement and hope. And so just make a note of that. That would be be a good ministry, a, a nonprofit to connect to. But here's Elizabeth and Zachariah living in shame, not able to have children, And then we come to verse 57. When it was time, Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. Just as the angel Gabriel had prophesied. Just as he had said. Remember, we said last week that Mary traveled 100 miles from her area of Nazareth down to the Galilean hillsides, the the countrysides of where Elizabeth lived. She traveled that 100 miles because she had wanted to, to seek out Elizabeth to see if this, this prophecy really was true. Was her relative pregnant? And remember when Mary entered the room, Elizabeth being six months pregnant, described that the baby leapt for joy in her womb, already indicating that this baby was set apart. There was something special about not only the baby in Elizabeth's womb, but also the baby that Mary was carrying as well. And so now, fast forward three months later, it's time for the delivery, and she gives birth to a son. And there's joy in the neighborhood. Verse 58, look at this. It says, when her neighbors and relatives, which sometimes were the same things, often you would live with a clan, so you would live with your extended family all around you. So it says, when the neighbors and the relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Now, in the first century, there wasn't garage doors where everyone would kind of conveniently go up their driveway and close their door and then enter their home anonymously or in isolation. There wasn't the next door app to exclaim news. So the way that news traveled was just 
person to person, neighbor to neighbor. And so person after person, neighbor after neighbor going, hey, have you heard? Remember Elizabeth was pregnant and, and she gave birth and, and the baby's alive. This, this is incredible. This, this old woman, 47. <laughs> this old woman has given birth. Incredible. And the neighborhood rejoices. They, they acknowledge the mercy of God in Elizabeth's life. A side teaching on this particular passage. Can we allow our neighbors, even in this garage door, door culture, can we allow our neighbors to see the hand, the mercy of God in our lives? Let's be people that unashamedly proclaim God's goodness to those that geographically live around us, to those that you'll sit at a Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or New Year's Eve or New Year's Day table with. Let's look for opportunities to proclaim God's goodness and mercy over our lives. Are we perfect? No. Has this been a perfect year for any of us? Heck no. But can we say in 2022 that God is merciful? Yes. Can't we? Can't we say that he is good and he is faithful? Amen? Amen. So let's proclaim that to our neighbors. The neighbors here in Elizabeth and Zechariah's world, they, they saw the birth of this baby and they rejoiced with her. Now remember Zechariah. He was a priest. He had been chosen, as I said, to, to go make this offering in the holy of holy places. This was an incredible opportunity, a privilege for him to do this. The angel shows up to him. And tells him that Elizabeth will have a baby. And this baby is to be a special one. And what's Zechariah's response? He just simply asks a question. On the text, it, it feels rather innocent. He just asks basically like, how can this be? And yet the angel understands and, and, and sees Zechariah's lack of trust. Lack of dependence, lack of faith in God. And so the consequence of Zechariah's lack of trust in the Lord is that he can't speak. And so for the nine months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, actually probably a little bit more than that, because it says that his mouth was shut before she was even pregnant. For about nine plus months during this pregnancy, Elizabeth could not hear her husband speak. Zechariah could not say a word to his wife. How many of you that have experienced pregnancy would say, actually, that would really help our relationship <laughs> if, uh, if we couldn't say anything during that time? <laughs> so Zechariah is living with this consequence. I love this painting. This is actually a painting that hangs in Milan, Italy. Uh, it's in the same museum where da Vinci's, you know, that one little uh, uh, uh thing is? I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but it's a beautiful portrait. Then you see here in the text, verses 61 through 64, Zechariah is restored as his trust in the Lord is, is not quenched or uh, stopped by the, even the consequence he experiences as there's a gathering around the eighth day. It says Elizabeth took the baby, assuming Zechariah was with her too, 
and they had the baby dedicated, verse 59, on the eighth day. And there was relatives and maybe even neighbors that accompanied them to this dedication. And well, they said, well, obviously his name will be Zachariah. You, you need to pass down the family line. He, he's a priest. And so to, to have the child named Zachariah is an honor because his dad is such a, a righteous and, and holy man. And yet Elizabeth is trying to convince them, no, no, his name should be John. And, and the, the crowd there, the relatives are not listening to her. One, again, put yourselves in first, first century culture is that a woman didn't have the authority or the rights necessarily that she does today. And so they weren't listening to her argument to, to name him something other than Zechariah. But then look at the scripture here in Luke 1. It says uh, they used gestures in 62 to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. So this is actually the first time um, that... Uh, Oh, what's it called when you do the acting out thing? Charades, charades thank you. <laughs> Had a little brain freeze there. This is the first time charades is ever uh, read in the Bible, which is pretty great. Boy, that didn't go well. Um, <laughs> they used gestures. Brandon and I were actually talking about this earlier. We're like, he couldn't speak, but they're using gestures to try to communicate to him. So what does that mean? He couldn't speak. I mean, could he not hear? It's possible that he couldn't hear. The Bible just says he couldn't speak, but, but, but maybe part of the consequence of not trusting God was he also um, couldn't hear. Or maybe he was isolated in a place because he couldn't speak or for whatever reason he was far away and so he couldn't hear them just audibly. But for whatever reason, it's kind of a curious note here in the scriptures, they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. And then Zechariah, verse 63 here of Luke 1, says he motioned for a writing tablet. We're not sure if that was a Samsung tablet or an iPad or a Google. Okay, that one went better. Thank you. <laughs> and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And then instantly, he gets his voice back. And it says here in the scriptures that the first thing he did when he could speak again was he praised God. Isn't that beautiful? Lifting up the name of God. And in verse 65, just to continue to read here, it says, Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood as the news of what happened spread throughout the nation, the hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? So there's this question, there's this acknowledgement that there's something special about this baby that was born. This elderly couple, this barren couple is given a child by the Lord. It, it, it goes back to Abraham and Sarah and how God was gracious to them in their old age. They, the Bible describes they were much older than Ford in their mid-40s. But God gave Sarah and Abraham a child. And then out of that gave them a covenant blessing that through your offspring, the nations will be blessed. And now the crowds around, the relatives, the family, the neighbors around Zechariah and Elizabeth are wondering, wow, in the same way that God used the offspring of Abraham and Sarah to do amazing things, what will he do 
with this child? What is God up to? And then we come to Zechariah's psalm. And in this psalm, Zechariah filled by the Holy Spirit, meaning that it's God that's orchestrating these words. Zechariah surrendered to the Lord, praising God, having his relationship with God restored, is now given these words by God to say. And it answers this question, what will this child be? I see three things that the Holy Spirit uses through Zechariah to communicate. First, it's that God will visit his people. God will really visit his people. The second thing is that there's going to be this way that's prepared for God's visit. It's actually going to involve Zechariah's own child, his only child. His only child will prepare the way for God's visit. And then finally, that God's visit will shine light into darkness. Now, I just want to take a couple minutes. I want to look through each of these prophetic words and even just apply them to what it means for us here today. The first is this, that God will visit his people. A reminder for the hundredth time, but it's worth saying again, Advent means, Adventus in Latin, it means arrival or coming. And so it's this idea that we celebrate Advent. We're celebrating the arrival, the coming of the Messiah, of God into our world, that God really did come. Luke 68, or verse 1, chapter 1, verse 68. It says, Zechariah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. We've sung about it already. Emmanuel, God with us. He has come. You know, when you visit someone, you understand them more clearly. You uh, become more connected to them. You have intimacy and a depth of relationship when you visit someone, particularly in their home. We just had uh, Shannon Reese here on staff and her husband Bates. Uh, about a month ago, they went and visited Calvary missionaries around Europe. And I got reports back from our missionaries of how meaningful it was that someone from their sending church would come take the time to come be in their world to come just hang with them, listen to them, and visit with them. It just meant a lot. And I would even love for any of you guys, you know, vacation with a purpose. If you find yourselves in one of the areas that our Calvary missionaries are at, let us know. We'd love to even try to connect you with them. Just even to visit, to bring refreshment and encouragement to them. But there's just this sense that in relationship, when you visit someone, there's growth and care and encouragement in that. Now I want us to understand the idea that God visited our world. If you've been a Christian for a while, it's like, yeah, 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 I understand that. That's, that's what we celebrate Christmas for. But, but take this in. Let this verse just sink into you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. Wow. The God who made everything, the God who holds all things together, came into our world. He visited us. I love what J.B. Phillips once said. He said, we must never allow 
anything to blind us to the true significance of what happened in Bethlehem so long ago. Nothing can alter the fact that we live on a visited planet. Isn't that good? The truth that God really did come. Hebrews talks about because he came, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands our temptation, yet was without temptation. This is our God. He has walked among us. And to prepare his way for the visit, God and his divine plan and his sovereignty, his faithfulness and his goodness sent a messenger, sent one to prepare the way. Back in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi in chapter 3, there's a prophecy about this. It says, look, I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you're seeking will suddenly come to his temple. So Malachi, last prophecy of the Old Testament. Then as even Eric said, as we talked through the Advent candles and and the wreath here, we had 400 years of silence. 400 years where God didn't speak, or at least didn't speak in a way that the people clearly saw that it was God. 400 years of waiting, of wondering, has God forgotten us? Where is God right now? Maybe as we've talked about in this series, you're in a waiting place right now. And maybe you're asking yourself the same questions. It hasn't been 400 years, but it's, it's felt like it. <laughs> Where is God? When are you going to speak to me? Be encouraged, you guys, my family, my friends. It's worth the wait. <laughs> God is up to something in your life, even when you can't see it. He was up to something in these 400 years, preparing the way, and then ultimately sending this messenger to clearly prepare the way John the Baptist. I love Zechariah, and I'm picturing as he says these words in verses 76 and 77, I'm picturing that he's holding his little boy as he says these words. And he says here in this scripture, and you, my little son, you'll be called the prophet of the Most High because you'll prepare the way for the Lord. You'll tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Just holding his little son, this son that he's waited so long for, and he's realizing, empowered, inspired by the Holy Spirit to prophesy over his son that you're the messenger. You're not the Messiah. You're the one that will prepare the way for the Messiah. You, as it says here in in this New Living Translation, I love it. My little son, this this term of endearment. You you just wonder if Zechariah holding his son is wondering what cost it will take for his son to be this preparation, to be this messenger ahead of the Messiah. We know as we read the scriptures that it would cost John the Baptist his life. But it was worth it to proclaim who the Messiah was and that he had come. I also want us to note as you look on the screens here, you look in your Bibles at this scripture, that Jesus came primarily, the Messiah came to bring salvation, not just an easier life, 
He came to bring salvation through the forgiveness of sins. I think at times our culture, and even in Christianity, we can lose sight of the primary reason why Jesus came. He didn't come to make our lives easier. He didn't come just to give us a model of how to be a good neighbor. Although, the Bible says that Jesus came to give life to the full. So life in Jesus is good. Loving your neighbor is something that Jesus taught. But we can't just stop at those two things. We have to go to the ultimate reason Jesus came. To bring salvation. The forgiveness of sins. Because we live in a sinful and broken world and we are sinners who deserve judgment in eternity apart from God. We deserve hell for our sins apart from knowing and clinging to a Messiah. And this is the reality of my life and your life and everyone that's ever come. And that points to the final verses here. I want to note here. It says, God's visit will shine light into darkness. Verses 78 and 79. This has been the portion of this whole uh, passage from 59 to 80 that I have just been loving this week. I've highlighted the part that's just stuck out to me. And I've, I've even had a hard time reading this without tearing up this week. It says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us in the path of peace. Oh, it's so good. Can we just in participation mode, if you're here in the room, if you're watching online, if you're out in the courtyard, can we just say this passage out loud together? I think it would be wonderful. Let's just all say it in unison. I'll, I'll try to lead us as best I can. Let's say it together. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Wow. The light is about to break through. The morning light is about to shine through. In this place that we sit in darkness, the light is about to expose the darkness. The light is going to bring, the darkness is now going to be turned to light through Jesus Christ, the Messiah to come. In my last few minutes, I want to convince you of something. I want to convince you or remind you or even just help refresh you that every time you see a Christmas light in this season, look around the room, the beautiful lights you see here the lights that are in your neighborhood, the lights that are at our shopping malls right now, the world is proclaiming that the morning light has come. The world doesn't even know it, but they're proclaiming that the morning light is shining into darkness. I mean, even Barbara Streisand sings Christmas songs. The world has no idea what they're necessarily saying, but they're proclaiming that the morning light has shone into darkness. I think of sunrises. If you're a college student, sunrises happen every day, like between 5 and 6.30 or so. 
And I think of some of the sunrises that I've had the privilege to see. I'm sure you can think of some of the sunrises you've seen too. Our family for my uh, father-in-law's 70th birthday, he graciously took all 17 of us to Hawaii in May. And it was amazing because we're still on California times. We're waking up early and just wandering out to the beach and seeing photos or, or portraits of this. The sun just bursting into the sky changing the world from dark to light. I think of some of the other iconic sunrises that are even here in our western world. In Arizona, you can see some incredible sunrises. If you've ever had the privilege to go to Yosemite and woken up early enough to see the sun rising over Half Dome, it's just incredible. Or maybe back to Hawaii. Have you ever gone to Haleakaka in Maui? And this is old volcano. You hope it's old, Ashley, when you get up there. <laughs> and to see the sunrise there, it's just, it's worship. A bucket, lace, a bucket place uh, that, uh, location I'd love to go to is Portland, Maine. I'd love to see the sunrise over the lighthouses there on the eastern coast. Every day, God proclaims that the light has shone into darkness through the sunrise. Isn't that cool? Every day, the gospel is lived out, is played out, is acted out through the sunrise. At night, it's dark. Even representing that we lived in darkness. We were stuck in our sin. Zechariah says we sat In darkness. Darkness brings fear. Darkness brings anxiety. Darkness is scary. I remember as nine, ten-year-old little boy and uh, going home at night from my friends' houses and uh, it had gotten darker quicker than I realized and there was parts of the area that we lived in, our neighborhood, that didn't have um, streetlights and it got really dark. And I remember as a little boy being terrified and just ultimately sprinting up my street to get home in the dark because it just felt so scary. And that's what we live in in our sin. We live sitting in darkness. But then as Zechariah prophesied, Jesus Christ is our sunrise. The light broke through. The morning light broke through from heaven. So good. Changes our lives. And so I want us to think, I'd even encourage you, if you have some time off next week, wake up early or go outside even and take in the sunrise and remind yourself that we lived in darkness, but the Messiah has come. He's arrived. And because of that, we now can live in the light of Jesus Christ. Wednesday is the longest day of the year, coming up this Wednesday. And many of you, uh, oh, thank you. I was, I was seeing if you were awake right there. <laughs> Shortest day of the year. Many of you have had dark nights this year. Many of you have experienced 
difficult things this year. I know I've, I've walked with you through some of it. Be encouraged. Jesus Christ is your sunrise. The light, the morning light has shone through. Paul lived in darkness. Even though he was religious, he lived in darkness. Jesus shows up to him. It changes his life. He gives his life to Jesus Christ. He, he now walks in the light. And then in Colossians chapter 1, Apostle Paul says these wonderful words. He says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. May every Christmas light that you see here, that you see tonight, that you see inside your homes, remind you of this truth. We're going to sing in just a moment the wonderful words of a song that came out just a few years ago. It's called uh, Is He Worthy by Andrew Peterson. And the opening lines say this, Do you feel the world is broken? And the response is, we do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? And the response is, we do. And then I love this line that Peterson wrote. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? <laughs> and the people say, we do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to proclaim that right now. That we once lived in darkness, but through your tender mercies, through faith in Jesus, we can now walk in the light. Thank you, God, that the morning light has broken through the darkness. God, would that be a reminder to us, an encouragement to us in this Advent season? Thank you, thank you, thank you that it's true. Amen.